What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into our Ballsy Podcast, Sports Day DFW, Dallas Morning News I am Kevin Sherrington. I am alone, except for our good friend Brian Ellis, the producer here. Uh, it's just me and Brian in the studio, so it's been really nice. Very pleasant, not a lot of stupid interruptions and, and crummy questions. And joining us now from Houston, a rumored host of the Ballsy Podcast, Evan Grant. Occasional. Occasional, Occasional host. <laughs> Occasional host. What is, you know, this year, how many times have you been in the studio? Twice. Twice, maybe. Yeah. Once. No, you're twice. working, man. Twice. You're working. I'm a hard-working man, Kevin. You are. You are. You're a hard-working man. You're down there in Houston where the Rangers just picked up right where they left off all season long with that game. Uh, that was abysmal, uh, Evan. <coughs> Kevin, yeah, it was um, – I think it kind of summed up the first 25 games of the season – if we're talking about the baseball uh, aspect of it, yeah, it summed up the first 25 games of the season um, pretty perfectly because you had a starting pitcher in Andrew Kashner who gave away too many free bases on walks and hit batters. Um, that's been the rotation's number one problem. You had an offense that was unable to capitalize on situations um, Scored a run in the in the in the second, um, and had that inning in with a base running. I, I don't want to say base running mistake, but with an out on the bases. Uh, and at the home other play. run came on yeah. at home play for the second straight day. Um, and uh, the only other offense came from one big swing uh, with nobody on base. You had three defensive mistakes, uh, two of which were really costly and led to runs. Um, and then you had a, a bullpen that, albeit given a, a really tough save situation, suffered yet another blown save when it couldn't prevent Houston from uh, from scoring in the seventh inning. So, uh, you know, the Rangers haven't had all those problems on a regular basis in every game, but they've had them crop up in kind of extended periods uh, individually all through the season. And now... Uh, you're sitting there, and here it is, the 2nd of May, and this is a team that's very quickly six games out in the American League West and also you know, came down here expecting to once again establish some dominance over the Houston Astros, and, and you know, I think Houston had something to say about that. Yeah, you know, that's the issue for me in this game and watching it was that, um, and of course as we're recording this podcast, it's just a Monday game. We don't know what's happening in the other three games yet. 
but you here you've got them into the fifth inning. Well, I guess it was the fifth inning. You, you've got a one-run lead. And, and Kashner starts showing signs, obviously, as you, as you noted, hitting batters. And then I think three innings in a row he walked the leadoff hitter, which is just mind-numbing. But, it, but all things considered, not a terrible start for him. Um, but the, the other issues that would bother me, it's, it's the same old thing with the Rangers. Uh, you know, it's the same, you know, still not a good defensive team, still making too many errors. Uh, and of course, this, is, this has kind of become a new issue, the whole idea of the fact that they, they're not able to drive across runs, they're not able to manufacture runs. But uh, last night, the most uh, infuriating thing to me watching that game is that you got runners at second and third, no outs, and you bring in Tony Barnett. Yeah, I, it wasn't um, wasn't the ideal situation um, for me. I, I I think there's a number of factors, and, and let's just face facts that you know for the reader, you get a you've got a limited amount of time to talk to the manager after the game, and and certainly what most of the takeaway from last night's game was was regarding the dust up between the Astros and Rangers, and, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But from a baseball aspect. You know, you didn't really get an opportunity to get into that subject with the manager, and, and, but I do think that there were there were several factors involved. Um, one of his borderline winning pieces and uh, going into last night, Barnett was the freshest. He had a couple of days off. Um, I think going into that inning, Barnett of uh, Bannister was anticipating that if he needed to go to a right-hander, it would be with a situation with runners on first or first and second where a ground ball contact kind of guy might be able to uh, – might be his best weapon. Um, but the inning spun away from the Rangers. It, it spun away. You know, they should have had an out at second base on the um, uh, on the ground ball up, uh, up the middle. Um, and, and Elvis' the throw was wide, and Odor couldn't – couldn't um, get off the bag and, and make the catch, and so they, you know, you end up with runners in second and third, and then all of a sudden you're you're looking at, uh, at at Tony Barnett in the game, and and that's just not the best situation for him. But this is part of the issue with the Rangers right now, in that you know you, if Andrew Cashner gives you six innings of one run ball. He's your, he should be your number five starter, and that should be enough for you to say, I'm handing this over to the bullpen right now. The Rangers right now, with Sam Dyson not a reliable piece, with um, uh, with Jeffress being used basically every day, uh, and with Barnett struggling, they don't have kind of that linchpin seventh-inning guy. You know, they're, they're trying to mix and match to get through the seventh. Personally, I, in retrospect, I think that Jose Leclerc and and both Keone Kella had a day off, and I would have liked to see that those guys would be your seventh and eighth inning options yesterday. But in the long term, I also think that Jeff Bannister would say, look, if I go to those guys every time right now that I've got a chance, I'm also going to burn them out like guys have gotten burned out the last two years before the All-Star break. So it's kind of a... A damned if you do and damned if you don't situation, but yeah, it it wasn't. I don't think it was the ideal situation for Barnett last night. No, so this goes back to my uh, column I wrote earlier this year about the situational bullpen. And to me, you know, w- when you embrace analytics as much as Jeff Bannister does, which is good, it's a good thing. We're glad that he does. We're glad that he has the old school. We're glad that he has the new school going for it. But when you are embracing analytics the way you are. 
to not look at a situation where what was going to be more high leverage? There was you couldn't imagine a more high leverage situation than at the, I, I think it was a tie game, wasn't it? When it was the second and third, or were they were the Rangers still up? Uh, no, Barnett Barnett came into the game, I believe, with the score still two to one. Yeah, I think it was two. So it's two to runners at second and third. Yeah, yeah it was two, it was two one runners at second and third, and then he gave you know he got the the first play was the chopper, you know, right. and, and it's just over his head and 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 just a little bit too. I think Odor was just a little bit too off balance to make a throw home, but in a typical situation, you know, that's you get you probably get an out at first base there and and ground ball that you want and, and all of that. But with runners at second and third, and uh, you're, you're in a tough spot there. You want a, you want a strikeout pitcher. You want a strikeout there, you exactly. know. And so exactly. that, and that's not Tony Barnett's strength. So that's, that's my point here is that, uh, you know, I get it if, if, uh, if Jeff feels like that, look, uh, I got to deal with the personalities here. I got to deal with the makeup of these guys. And I don't know that they're ready for a kind of situation where one night you're pitching in the seventh and the next night you're pitching in the ninth and, you know, and that, and I get that, you know, if, if that's the, if that's the issue, but, but, but for me to see uh, Barnett go out there in that situation is that's just not an ideal situation for him. So uh, let's, let's talk about the fight. Uh, what's going on with, with Colin McHugh yelling, standing over there out of uniform, yelling uh, at uh, Carlos Gomez. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that was about, but I, I imagine that um, basically what that comes down to is that Colin McHugh and Carlos Gomez had their own beef inside the Astros clubhouse when they were teammates uh, for part of 2015 and 2016, and and certainly Carlos came running out of the Rangers clubhouse and and kind of took a plank position and and wanted to get involved. And, and if you look at replays, he had plenty to say to the Astros. So I, I don't. I don't think there's any love loss there between between Gomez and, and McHugh. Um, I, I I think my biggest issue with with what took place in in the fight is, and, and you know, we're sitting here and we're here it is twelve hours after the fact, and we're breaking down uh, individual minuscule actions. But look, McCullers uh, McCullers had every right to retaliate against Napoli after after the home run and more importantly after two Astros were hit in the first two innings. Um, I think if he throws at his butt there, there's not an issue in the world. I think if he throws at his ribs, probably not an issue. Um, the pitch was, was up and behind him. Um, that caused somewhat of an issue. And, and Mike, you know, basically yelled, what, do you, what was that all about? Um, and, and McCullers, I thought, exacerbated the situation by, by taking several strides in towards the plate. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was that was my biggest issue. And, and so, you know, from the Rangers' perspective, uh, it was, hey, you threw up and behind a guy, and you certainly wanted to send a message and uh, back it up with, with some rhetoric. And from the Astros' perspective, it was the – you know, you, you know, this is a, the Rangers are going to run into this with other teams as well when they make it so public that they want to throw inside and that they want to move batters off of the plate. Right. Teams are going to say, "You want to hit us. You want to try and intimidate us, and we're not going to be intimidated. And this is the way we're going to show you we're not going to be intimidated." So, you know, I go back to what what Jeff Bannister experienced when he was with the Pirates and and. 
what, what existed in the National League Central between the Pirates and, and the Cardinals and the Reds. There was an awful lot of pitching inside there, and there was an awful lot of tension raised. I just think that when it gets right down to it, the fact that there is tension between the Rangers and, and, and Astros right now, that there are heightened emotions, uh, not even six innings into their first meeting of the year, or not even seven innings into their first meeting of the year, um, is good for baseball. I, I, I hate to see brawls. I hate to see guys you know, mixing it up on the field. But there's clearly passion between these two teams now, and the idea, the, the expectation is that if the Rangers get it together, there's going to be more meaningful games between these two teams, just as there was last the last two years. And everything the Rangers ever hoped for, everything the Astros ever hoped for, when when these teams first started playing interleague, you know, an interleague series, is now developing. And, and what I'm writing right now is, you know, this, this is. You look at the you look at the map of the United States, Kevin. You look at where baseball supposedly matters, and it's maybe a, a, a slim line from from Baltimore up through New York to Boston, and and maybe and, and certainly from Chicago, but only the north side to St. Louis, and and occasionally you know from Los Angeles to San Francisco. But if you involve the Rangers and um, and Houston and, and these two TV markets, and they're playing meaningful games every year, and uh, there's passion between these teams. That's that's good for the game, and it's it, it's good for both of these clubs. Yeah, it, it is, and uh, it's certainly everything that uh, they were hoping to envision. Because you know, we remember the, uh, uh, the with the silver boot. It was a joke for many years, and uh, you know, as John Blake proved by putting it in his trunk and breaking it accidentally um, one year. Uh, wow, you just threw John Blake under the rug for the the silver boot. I did. It, that, that's called under the bus, not the rug. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I did do that. But the, here's the thing: it is, it is under the bus. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's get your cliches right, okay? Uh, English is not my my strong. Not your first language. Uh, so so here here here's the thing though for me uh, is that up to now, it, even even with all the games that have been played, it really hasn't been a rivalry because the other team has to win every once in a while for it to be a rivalry. And and the Rangers have well, dominated the Astros. And and now that's to me the problem here. If you give these guys, if you let these guys up, you know, like they did certainly in the first game of this series, when they had a chance to win that game and take the first game of the series, which would have been huge, I think, for the Rangers, and it would have put in the heads of the of the Astros. I think, my gosh, we added all these guys, and has anything ever really changed? Well, I, I think from the Astros' perspective, you know, if you go back and look at the Alex Bregman tweet from from Sunday night with the BTS OOTR, which I, supposedly stands for "Beat the Something Out of the Rangers," um, it's a big deal to the Astros. It's certainly a big deal to the Astros, and I think the Rangers have taken a lot of pride in the fact that that they have stomped the Astros since really since that first dust up between Bannister and AJ Hinch. Um, in, in July 2015, and yes, the Rangers have dominated the series, but I think that that on both sides, it's been for Astros and Astros fans. It's God, we hate the Rangers, and we're going to beat them at some point in time. And these games really matter to us. And and from the Rangers, there's been that certain level of pride that we are going to own the series against the Astros. And I, I do think it was set up for for something to happen last night. I mean, Jeff Bannister certainly was aware of the tweet. I, I think even though he said he kind of played it down, I think he made sure that the, the, 
the screenshot of the tweet was visible within his clubhouse. Um, I think he was looking for something that would spark his club emotionally. Um, not that they played without emotion, but when you're without your, your team leader, when you're without Adrian Beltre and, and your offense isn't going good, it, it, does, it can look like you're lacking energy. Um, and, and so I think that all those things, you know, played into Bannister's hands. What didn't play into Bannister's hands is the fact that the Rangers then, after that dust-up, could not put the game away. And, and I think that's a big momentum shift for the Astros. And um, that's, again, just another chip stacked against the Rangers early in this season. What's up with Alex Bregman in social media? He's just not very good at it. Um, because remember, he, I, had the, uh, he had the tweet about uh, act like you've done it before when he was talking about bat flips uh, in Yeah, the, he was not real WBC. big with the, on, on Odor's bat flip. Um, he said after the game last night that that was a rookie mistake. And, um, you know, all things considered, it, it, it's, it's not that big of an issue um but it certainly you know for the rangers from the rangers perspective it played into their hands look he tweeted that thing at 555 on sunday night and i don't think that anybody uh certainly none of the media because we're always dopes and we're unaware of everything <laughs> we, we were we were unaware until i walked in the rangers clubhouse and saw it sitting there you know right next to the lineup um so and I hadn't really heard anybody talking about it, but but yeah, you don't need to do anything when you're in his situation with the lack of experience that you've got in the big leagues and with the um, with the lack of success that the Astros have had against the Rangers. I don't think you need to do anything that would potentially uh, give give the Rangers any kind of lift. And as he said, you know, it's a rookie mistake, and he's got to get better at it, but. Hey, it's it is social media, and you know, ninety eight percent of the country hides behind a keyboard, and there's no reason why a, a player can't fall into that trap as well. So, Evan, uh, later this week, I believe you're uh, you're receiving a visitor from the north on on Wednesday. Is that is that not correct? Is Richard Justice coming to the game? <laughs> Richard Justice. Well, he may. He may come to the game. I don't know that. But, but no, I'll be joining you down there in Houston for this for the last two games of the series. I hope they matter by that point. Well, me too. I was thinking the same thing. What if they don't? Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it, listen, I, uh, I think that um, it's always good to have you here, Kevin. I, I, I'll, I'll, I miss it when you're not because you show me all the fun places in Houston. Are we going to go to Spanish Flowers? Uh, we can after Wednesday night's game and eat until 2 a.m. and then come back and cover the day <laughs> game just like the boys used to do in the old days. Just like the old days. Yeah, that's right. All right, let, let me ask you this about uh, your uh, your good uh, buddy, Hugh Darvish. So he throws 125 pitches in his last start. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, and uh, have we have we had any reports that boy is – that now his right arm is two inches longer than his left? No, and he, uh, you know, the, the Rangers are going to give him an extra day, and um, this is kind of what I suspected they would do on Sunday. So they'll, they'll pitch Nick Martinez on his regular turn on Wednesday and um, in all likelihood activate A.J. Griffin on Thursday and then send Martinez out. 
and then that gives Darvish, and also it, it will give Cole Hamels and and Martin Perez uh, an extra day of rest, and, and so Darvish will get five days. What I think is interesting is, you know, you has always kind of liked the five day rest thing um, because that was what he was used to in Japan. Right. But he made he made a case to Jeff Bannister, and and he wanted to go out and pitch on his regular turn. He didn't want the 125 pitches to be considered an extra burden or anything like that. And and, and I, I think that that's part of him. That's part of the competitor in him. And I think that's part of him saying, look, you know, just because just because I throw a lot of pitches, it shouldn't upset the uh, the entire rotation for for a turn. But the Rangers' thought here still is long-term for the remainder of the season. Uh, he did throw 125 pitches. It's the most that Jeff Bannister has ever allowed a pitcher to throw. And I think whether whether he had had Tommy John surgery two years ago or whether uh, he was Cole Hamels, I think you'd try and find a way to buy that guy an, an extra day of rest this time around. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't really have a, a big problem with that pitch total because, you know, I, I don't want to sound like Nolan Ryan that, uh, you know, Back in the day, we were throwing 300 innings, um, and that's true. Uh, but, you know, I think you should look at the individual and how they're pitching. He, there was no drop in velocity, uh, and I'm assuming uh, he would have told them if, if something was bothering him. Uh, so I, I think it was good for him to get in that situation and get out of it, to, to, to realize I got myself in this hole, and now I need to pitch myself out of it, which he was able to do. Well, I, you know, I, you look at the start against Oakland, um, and he was breezing into the sixth inning and then ended up getting taken out after 82 pitches when he created a jam for himself in the sixth, and, and the Rangers ended up losing that game, and Darvish clearly wanted um, the ability to work himself out of that, that jam, and and I think Jeff Bannister and Doug Brokale said, okay, we, we will give you that opportunity. Um, you, you show us that, that you've got, you know, as you said, that there's no drop in velocity, that there's no drop in stuff. We'll believe in your ability to make pitches in tough situations. And they did give him that opportunity this time around. And so I think you you made his point and drove home his point with, with the Rangers. And, you know, he said after that game that uh, I'm glad they allowed me to throw as many pitches as, as Cole Hamels. And I think that his, his point is, look, I, I, I should be – looked at like Hamels. I should be looked at like a guy who can uh, do whatever he needs to do to get you to the point in time where you're comfortable turning it over to your bullpen and your um, your quote-unquote winning pieces. Uh, you know, I thought that was an interesting comment by, by you when he said that about, I like the fact that they're treating me like Cole Hamels. You know, there's a lot of ways you could take that uh, when he says that you're the opening day starter. You're the number one. And so you're saying right. that uh, I'm glad that you treated me like the number two. You know, uh, I, I'm assuming there's no facetiousness in that comment when he says it, right? No, I don't think so. I think it, it's more along the lines of, listen, you can take the kid gloves off of me now. Uh, I'm, I'm a big boy. Um, you don't have to. I'm, I'm comfortable with where my arm is after Tommy John. You don't have to worry about about pitch counts with me, um, and I want you to know that all the faith that you have always had in Cole Hamels as a as a guy who will find a way to get through jams, I want you to have that same faith in me. Well, yeah, and I, and I think they need to. I mean, I, there's no question, especially with the bullpen in the shape that it is now. Uh, 
this, frankly, this is, and we could, of course thought this before the season. If the if the Rangers are going to beat the Astros, it's going to have to be because of the two guys at the, at the front end of the rotation. Because now now you watch Dallas Keuchel, who's come back to be what Dallas Keuchel was before last season. Uh, I, I have no idea what the difference is and what he's done to, to correct whatever was the problem last year. But he, he apparently has. Uh, and so if he's going to pitch like that, one of these two guys, either you or Hamels, is going to have to pitch to match him. I agree, and I, I think they, I think both guys are capable of matching. I mean, I still think that whether it's, whether you go Keiko McCullers or, or Keiko McHugh, I still think that the Rangers one-two combination. Um, you certainly are are if you match up Darvish and Keiko, I think you're you're in for a great pitching matchup, and it can go either way depending on what the um, really what the defense does behind you. And I think if you go Hamels McCullers or Hamels McHugh, you still give the edge the edge to the Rangers there. So in the first two games of a series, I think the Rangers have a slight edge, and then once you get into the three, the three, four, five. Then it's a little bit, you know, a little bit more of a question. Um, I just feel like, from the Rangers' perspective right now, the biggest issue, you know, you, you felt like this rotation could carry more of a burden this year right. than it has in the past. And and if you look at the rotation numbers, even with the walks, the overall numbers are pretty decent through the first twenty six games, um, but the offense. The offense is really underperformed. Uh, part of that, I'm sure, is the lack of Beltre. Uh, part of it is, is guys doing too much. But the Rangers are just chasing pitches way out of the zone um, and, and putting themselves behind in the counts, which has led to 43 strikeouts in the last four games. Uh, it's led to less hard contact. Um, and it's led to low pitch counts for, for opposing pitchers. And it's just not a recipe for success. All of that said, Kevin, I will say this. You go back to the start of 2015, and this team had an even worse offensive April than it did in 2017. The difference for me is that in 2017, Odor is more mature. Mazzara has a full year under his belt. They've got a couple of other veterans in the lineup. You know, you should have a better offense to start 2017, even without Beltre than you did in 2015. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but I'll say this about Odor. Uh, I don't know why you would throw him a strike. Um, I, think I don't think anybody is right now. You look at look at Sunday's key bat in the in the seventh inning there, and he. I think it was a seven-pitch um, yes. seven at bat, but but he, he swung at balls five and balls six. Yes, and, he did. Uh, there was nothing – According to the pitch trackers and according to the box box and whatever else you want to you want to look at, there was nothing that was remotely in the zone. And this is what Jeff Bannister is saying: Look, we don't want you to go up there and be patient. What we want you to do is go up there and and you want we want you to look for a pitch elevated and out over the plate that you can get extended on and drive, and go for it. But don't try and do that with every pitch. You've got to find your pitch in your zone. And, and Odor is still, you know, he's 24 years old. He is a kid who is full of confidence, and I think he's fallen into that trap a little bit of I can rescue this offense single-handedly. And, and, and because of it, 
he's he's become part of the problem and not part of the solution at this point. Well, it, it, it reminds me so much of, of uh, Josh Hamilton when he started to falter and people would throw him that breaking stuff away on the first pitch and he would just swing at it. And and I at, at that point, I would have told Josh, listen, don't swing at a first pitch for, for two months and then maybe somebody will throw you a strike at some point because they're they are right. not going to throw you a strike and that's what and i and i i think you're 100% right about odor i think what he's trying to do now he's trying to to rescue the offense but when you get up there and it's a full count and they throw you something in the dirt you know take your walk go down there i think i just think yep. he hates the idea of taking a walk I, I think he really thinks maybe I can reach this pitch, even though I know it's out of the zone. He's not just swinging wildly; he thinks that he can reach these pitches. And right. and, I, and I think right. either either that, or you know, his his pitch recognition of, of balls out of the hand is is, is not great. And if that's the case, and um, they got big trouble. Right. No, I I, I I do think it is. I, I do really, and I, I addressed this a little bit with Bannister yesterday. I do think that there are guys that that, that are just trying. His word is over competing. They're they're trying to do too much right now. And and like you say, I mean, yes, you're you, right now. You you've been in the number four spot for a few days, but you can leave the RBI out there for the number fifth guy for the number fifth for the number five guy. Um, if they're going to refuse to throw you a strike, that's when this offense functions best, and it, it may take some time for that message to get across. And that's what teams deal with when when they're in a crisis mode. Yeah, that, that, yeah. To me, that's the the real issue. You know, you you can't imagine that these guys are going to hit one twenty three, one eighty five. You know, for obviously that's not going to happen for a full season. They're bound to heat up at some point. Um, and I and I have to believe that it is what you and Jeff Bannister talked about, the fact that they are just trying to do too much. Uh, they're trying to take on too much. Um, but there are just so few guys in that lineup who are naturally selective hitters. Uh, you know, Chu, Mazzara, when he's really going well, and he's not going well now. And, just, and he just – he looks – like a different person at the plate now than when he was the first month of the season. He just doesn't. He's pulling off well, the I mean, ball. It's, it's just. It just looks terrible. Was, he was the AL Player of the Week the first week of the season, and has hit about a buck fifty cents. And he did have a hit last night, and uh, it was it was a nice it was a nice at bat. But um, I, I think in some in some regards that. Both these guys, both Odor and Mazar, are similar hitters. They may have different type of bodies, but I think they're similar hitters. They they have big leg kicks, and as, as we know, you know, having watched Juan Gonzalez and Ruben Sierra, guys who have those big leg kicks, they can get into some real funks where their their timing is is, is off. And, and I think with 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 Mazara, I talked with him yesterday, and he said, you know, there are some things that I'm doing, but I don't want to tell you. And and, and I uh, I think he's trying to eliminate some of of the if his leg kick has gotten too exaggerated i think he's trying to eliminate a little bit of that and and i think with with a door it is still just a matter of um one zone one pitch and you know maybe he is right now i I, i'd have to i don't even know that if you put the video in front of me that i'd be able to to tell the difference but Maybe his kick has gotten a little bit exaggerated as well with him trying to generate more power. Yeah. Evan, we're going to have to let you go, but I want to ask you one last question about uh, our old pal Jerickson Profar, who has been sent down now. And, uh, and, and I had this conversation with our, our good buddy Jerry Fraley yesterday, 
and which I told him, I think the Rangers should send Profar down and play him at shortstop and play him there every day. And uh, and apparently that's well, what, that's what they're, they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what this means to me is that, all right, we're going to put you in the position you really want to play where your heart is, and we're going to see how you do. And then uh, I would think that this, if he does well, this ratchets up the uh, possibility that they trade him. I think that's the best-case scenario because my takeaway from all of this is that uh, as a super utility guy, he just isn't fitting. Um, no. I, I think that he wants to play shortstop. I think that the responsibilities that go along with a super utility guy of playing all over the field um, but not playing every day I think don't necessarily mesh with who he is. And so, yeah, I think that, that the long-term impact of this is that you eventually try and trade him. The, the, the difficulty here is now if you try and trade him, you're going to take him to a team, and you've got, got just under four years of service. So, so a team would have him for, a little, for, for, for three more seasons if they traded for him, or, or the remainder of this year and two more. Um, but – you're going to be trading a guy who hasn't hit at any point in time in the major leagues and who is in the minor leagues. And I, I don't know how much value you're going to be able to rebuild for Profar at this point in time. Me neither, but you know, you can always hope that A.J. Preller takes him. Well, what's A.J. Preller got that you want? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Maybe not. Maybe not. Evan, it's great having you on the podcast. You know, we love having you on occasionally. Uh, you always give a lot of insight into this uh, this Ballsy podcast, and we appreciate that. Be sure to come back and join us again sometime, okay? Uh, I will, Kevin. It won't be this coming Tuesday, but it will be the Tuesday after next. You're not going to do next Tuesday? I'm still on the road, Kevin. Oh, oh wait, but, you'll, but you'll join us on the road. You'll, you'll call in, and you'll talk to us. Oh, well, I always call in and talk to you, Kevin. I don't miss a podcast. I know. Yeah, I think maybe you have missed one or two, but that's okay. We're not holding it against you. As the godfather of this podcast, we're not holding that against you. Don't worry, Kevin. I'll be here on Tuesday. Great. Thanks, Evan. There he goes, Evan Grant, the one, the only. We love him. You, know, you love him. You hate him. You can't live without him. Uh, he's he's kind of like, like having a spouse. Um so, so that's uh, we, we we had our Rangers podcast, Brian. We have had our Cowboys podcast with John Machoda. Two really high quality podcasts. Uh, once again, we believe it's because uh, there's no Barry in the studio. There's no Evan in the studio. That's why it's been so good. I think this uh, is something we need to to check in. Scientists need to study uh, to see uh, the the validity of this whole uh, theorem on my part. Theory on my part. Um, so we have one more podcast to do, and that's with Chuck Carlton uh, to talk about colleges, to talk about spring football, to talk about Big 12 guys going to the NFL draft. Oh, wait a minute. There weren't any Big uh, 12 guys who went to the NFL draft, or just a, just a couple, apparently. So we'll talk about all those things. And until next time, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.